Hello, I'm Luca De Giglio, and this is the Web3 in Travel podcast, where you can learn about crypto, blockchain, and how the new internet will change travel. Which one is the oldest blockchain in crypto? Which one has the most money in it? Which one is the most resistant blockchain in crypto? The oldest blockchain is Bitcoin. The blockchain with the most value in it is Bitcoin again. The most resistant, um, decentralized, distributed, etc. can be argued to be Bitcoin. Some would argue it is Ethereum. We will not get into that, but certainly if it's not Bitcoin, Bitcoin comes the second place. And most people will say, many people will say it's the first place. Anyway, um, Bitcoin is maybe not the most important anymore for reasons I'm going to get into this, or maybe the only important one. It really depends on how you see the word and the tech, the tech behind these this blockchains. But Bitcoin is certainly the boss. Um, or the old boss, you could say. Now there's a new boss in town, Ethereum. Still, uh, it's either the alpha male or the second in line, the the alpha male, which has been replaced by the younger ones, more flexible. Ethereum, it doesn't really matter here. It is undeniably a very important blockchain, while all the others come very far under any interpretation you want to give of the importance of blockchains. So while I don't agree with the somewhat religious take of Michael Saylor saying there is no second best to Bitcoin, there is certainly no third best. We have Bitcoin, we have Ethereum, and everything else is really far from having reached the most important thing of these pieces of infrastructure which is the decentralization with all the properties which then you know come out uh, of them. So why am I talking about Bitcoin? As you noticed, if you have followed the whole podcast, I rarely speak about Bitcoin. Or maybe it's more correct to say that I speak of Bitcoin as much as I can without kind of exaggerating because Bitcoin is not important in web train travel. It's not been important for a while. It had importance a few years ago when we were still trying to use Bitcoin as money. You may remember some companies accepting Bitcoin for payments. Um, I think Expedia was the most famous one. They briefly accepted Bitcoin for flights, uh, but this is all gone now. Nobody accepts Bitcoin. Nobody pays with Bitcoin travel. Um, yeah, there are companies helping, for instance, hotels to accept Bitcoin payments, but this has never really taken off. While other payments have taken off, especially stablecoins. Why? Well, mostly because Bitcoin is slow and expensive. If you have to pay for a coffee, the famous Bitcoin coffee, you're going to have to wait 10 minutes and it's going to cost you, I don't know, a dollar in fees. Um, and the layer two solutions like the Lightning Network haven't yet reached uh, 
maturity and they are not widely used. They are used. There are places like El Salvador where they are used, but there's nothing yet which can be used at a scale. Uh, or anyway, nobody uses these things uh, at scale. It's still very, very niche. So Bitcoin transitioned from being the electronic cash that's in the white paper. That was the idea at the beginning to becoming a store of value like gold, which uh, crashes 50, 60, 70 percent. So is it a good store of value? I don't know. Uh, I think so. In the long term, it's always been a good store of value, but that's not what I want to talk about. Why am I talking about Bitcoin? Well, because Bitcoin now has NFTs and Bitcoin now has tokens. So what happened? What changed? That's a very interesting story. So first of all, Bitcoin always had NFTs and always could have tokens. If you go back in the history of Bitcoin, especially on the BitcoinTalk.org forum, you will see that people were talking about NFTs, not calling them NFTs, but basically digital artifacts and, and, and I think tokens too, um, a long time ago. 2012, maybe the first time, 13, even Satoshi talked about something like that a little bit. So um, the name was colored coins. And what is a colored coin? Well, the concept is pretty simple. Every Bitcoin is made of 100 million Satoshis. Actually, Bitcoin doesn't even exist. It doesn't exist in the code. It doesn't exist um, on the blockchain. Bitcoin is 100 million Satoshis where, you know, if there's 100 million Satoshis in a wallet, the wallet will show you one BTC, but it doesn't really exist. What exists are sats, Satoshis. So every about 10 minutes, new Bitcoins are created, which actually means new Satoshis are created. And if you count them, if you give a number to each Satoshi, um, like following from the first one to the last one, and then you assign to a specific Satoshi a number, you say, this is Satoshi number 1 million, it becomes identifiable. And then you could say that Satoshi is very specific. If you own it, then you have access to something or uh, we can assign some extra data on it. And there you go, you have an NFT, something like that. Let me not go too deep. I'm not going to go and read again the whole specs. Uh, the color coins never really took off okay and that was well, almost 10 years ago all right um but now something happened somebody came out with a new theory uh different this time but based on the same concept saying okay now we can inscribe nft data on specific satoshis um, and we will inscribe it in a part of the blockchain which is a bit cheaper and you are going to hear words like uh, taproot and segwit, but let me keep it simple. Um, so what happened is that a few years ago, Bitcoin uh, made a protocol change to address a problem. The problem was uh, transaction malleability. Uh, it doesn't really matter what it is. It was some kind of potential attack, not very dangerous, but yeah, whatever, some attack on Bitcoin, which could have happened and was actually happening. So they changed and they uh, let me give you here a visual. 
if every block is a bus, uh, they added a trailer behind the bus where cheaper data could go, and that data will be the signature, whatever. You know, basically they created a new place on the block which was cheaper. And so someone said, why don't we use that place for inscribing NFTs? Now let us go back to the Ethereum NFTs, to how they work, and then we see how they work differently on Bitcoin. Okay, so an Ethereum NFT is a token, known fungible token. It's just a token. And this token usually has some data in a field called token URI, which basically means URL. And it says, okay, this specific token has a URL. Go to the URL and you will see the image connected to the token. So the NFT has an image which is stored in the token URI. Well, actually a token URI is a URL. It doesn't store things. The URL points to somewhere where it's stored, stored on a server, on IPFS, or anywhere else. So that made, and I told you this thing many times, but it's good to repeat, that makes, um, opens a, a problem, creates a problem if you keep this image on a server and the server goes down, you stop paying for it, etc. the NFT will have no image. So we do it on the IPFS. IPFS is persistent. Still, it could be unpinned. People may stop propagating this image and the NFT is, uh, uh, is gone, basically. You have the, the token, but you don't have the picture anymore, right? Uh, are there ways to go around this? Yes, you can, and people did it. Um, and we at Trips Community did it also with the Traveler Load project. You inscribe this data not on an external service, you inscribe it directly on the blockchain. But this is extremely expensive. So most NFTs on Ethereum uh, have an external image, at least NFTs which need an image, because you don't really need an image for NFTs, depending on what you do, right? But yes, most NFTs, when you think about them, is like the monkey picture, etc that picture is not saved on the Ethereum blockchain because this is extremely expensive. I'm talking about potentially hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars for images. So really, really expensive. And that's how blockchains work. Uh, they're not conceived to store image data. Anyway, that's how NFTs work um, on Ethereum. So let's go back to Bitcoin. Somebody said at a certain point, why don't we do NFTs on Ethereum by saving the data on the, you know, this little new trailer behind the bus because it's cheaper. This person's name is Casey Rodermore and he wrote the Ordinal Protocol book. It's very important to understand no change on the Bitcoin protocol was done for that apart from the Segwit and Taproot thing, which was completely unrelated. It only allowed to make writing stuff on blockchain, on the Bitcoin blockchain cheaper. And very, very, very high view of this is again, the first Satoshi ever created is number one. The second is two. The last one is whatever number it is. And we can say that that specific Satoshi, which is in your wallet, inscribed uh, some data on the cheaper part of the block. Uh, 
And this data can be only text, but text can be converted into images. So you actually can write an image. You can write a video. You can write a video game because you can write a program. Uh, as long as somebody who, some website which reads the blockchain interprets this in, in the correct way. So we need people to write um, websites which actually show you these NFTs as they are. Now, this is not very big news. This has been tried before. I told you about the color coins. There's been other attempts in the past. The, the big difference is that this time it worked. Uh, for some reason, the right moment, the right moment in the market, the right moment in the history of Bitcoin, uh, it, it took off. Uh, maybe people were hungry for something happening on, on, on this, uh, somebody called it like a dead rock Bitcoin. Maybe people wanted to speculate during the, the bear market and needed something happening which was new. Uh, what matters is that it took off. And you know that it doesn't really matter if protocols are better or worse. What really gives value to protocols is usage, is people believing these protocols have a sense, have any reason to exist. And this happened. This is the big news. So we now have a whole ecosystem. And I'm talking about something started merely months ago. We have a whole ecosystem of NFTs on Bitcoin. We have NFT projects migrated from Ethereum to Bitcoin or duplicated there. And we even have tokens. And these tokens are called BRC20. You know that tokens on Ethereum are ERC20. These are called BRC20 in yet another horrible naming uh, decision for the crypto world. Uh, this, you know, ERC20 means Ethereum request for comment number 20. Uh, Bitcoin requests for comments don't exist. Bitcoin has BIP, BIP, Bitcoin Internet, uh, sorry, Bitcoin Improvement Proposal. Uh, but they couldn't have called them Bitcoin Improvement Proposal because this has nothing to do with the Bitcoin protocol. It's something which was built on top. Anyway, we have now NFTs and tokens on Bitcoin. What about that? What shall we do with that? And how can we try to uh, forecast what's going to happen in the travel industry with those. Let me start with the easiest to answer, the travel industry. I have no idea. I mean, I have no idea how um, other things, even NFTs and tokens, will actually be used in the travel industry. And we know they are not really used today, mostly, right? Uh, so I'm not going to even try to tell you how NFTs and tokens on Bitcoin will and if they will be used in the travel industry. Uh, but if they keep growing like this, there's a certain degree of probability that we will deal with them in some way or other or the other, right? So it's good to know. Um, this is not a small niche experiment happening in, in like a forgotten blockchain of, of Bitcoin. This is actually attracting capital. Um, we're talking about real money here now. So just to give you a few uh, a few numbers, CoinGecko now has a section called uh, BRC20. These are just the tokens, not the NFTs. And it, it has a market capitalization of about $200 million with a trading volume of about $27 million. Um, the, the first token, Ordi, was created on the 8th of March. And uh, it is now the number 200 in all tokens on CoinGecko. Now, 
What are the properties which make this potentially interesting? Well, first of all, most of the liquidity, most of the money is still in Bitcoin today. The whole crypto market has about $1 trillion, of which half is Bitcoin, 200 billion is Ethereum, 83 billion is Tether, which is on Ethereum mostly. And uh, yeah, so Bitcoin is half of the crypto market. Even if it's a dead rock, that's where most people seem to want to keep their money. Uh, why? Well, again, we, we can go into this, but it's kind of made for this. And many people perceive this as safer than other coins. I would say it is. I mean, when Bitcoin goes down 10%, other coins go down 50, etc. But the money is there. And in crypto, liquidity is very important. Because if you have a new blockchain, which is better than Ethereum, you still need to bring the money there. How do you do that? Bridges, uh, exchanges, etc. But you still have to go, to go from one place to the other. And when the money is there already, it's easy. Like if you want to buy an NFT, if you have Bitcoin and you want to buy an NFT or a token, it's nothing you have to do. Uh, you don't have to go through Binance. You don't have to, you know, exchange. You just spend your Bitcoin to buy this token or this NFT, um, which is what happened when Ethereum was launched. At the ICO, Ethereum sold for Bitcoins. I think it was 1,000 Ethereum for, uh, for one Bitcoin. That was the price. Um, so the liquidity is there, which makes this potentially very interesting. What are the other properties which make this potentially interesting? Well, first of all, it's the immutability. Now, let's say you have an NFT which is worth $10 million, the Mona Lisa of NFTs, right? You are going to want to keep it on the safest, most... Um, oldest and the blockchain which you think is going to last the longest etc also the most prestigious maybe which one is it it's bitcoin uh yeah you might argue it's ethereum that's why nfts are on ethereum the expensive ones they're not going to go on cheap chains because you may lose them when the chain kind of gets attacked or shuts down etc um so ethereum so far has been the best place for very very expensive nfts Bitcoin now is challenging that, saying, no, actually, if you want something really written in stone, Bitcoin is better than Ethereum. And the argument could be, you know, uh, yeah, it's Ethereum, just switch to proof of stake. Uh, it makes it less uh, polluting, more efficient. But hey, who can tell you this is going to work in the long term? But Bitcoin can say, it's been working for 14 years. No problem with that. Come here. It's safe. So one of the interpretations of the forecast uh, is that very expensive NFTs may actually be issued on the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, a counter argument could be, yeah, but this blockchain doesn't have anything going for it in terms of ecosystem and infrastructure. You can't do many things on the Bitcoin blockchain. And that's true. So. It's probably good for some kind of NFTs, which don't need to be used a lot, um, but need to be safe and be perceived as very, very valuable. So that's, that's how the, the thinking goes. Uh, so in terms of travel, if you can think of NFTs, which can be very valuable, but you don't really need to use too much, 
or interact with protocols, Bitcoin could be a good place to launch it. Um, just to give you an idea, there's no, I don't think there's any travel-related Bitcoin NFT yet, ordinal NFT yet, right? So if you launch it, well, you may be the first. Who knows? It could have value in the future. Um, yeah, why am I saying that? Maybe I should launch it. I got into this really early. I was minting the first uh, tokens really early on. and But I've never come up with uh, a good idea to launch any travel-related NFT on Bitcoin. So let's do it. Um, let me challenge you in doing that. I will think about something and deploy it or maybe you will deploy it first this uh in case nobody's done it before i'm not really following this daily there's so many things going on right now before you think to deploy a 10,000 nft pfp thing on bitcoin uh that's really really expensive uh but you could deploy one just to be the first now there is a learning curve it's new tools new websites it's not that easy so there is a mode to do that. And now, is there a value? I don't know. That's why I didn't do it. I don't like really... Well, I like experimenting with things and be the first, but it has to have a little bit of sense, right? Not just for being the first. On a, on a funny note, I when the BRC20 tokens came out on the 8th of March, the, the 9th of March, I already had deployed the TRIPS tokens on the BRC. 20. So the, the TRIPS tokens are the number 23 out of thousands of them. And, uh, and the first, you know, 10, 20, 30 had actually value. Only later I realized I made a stupid mistake and I didn't read properly that the BRC20 protocol requires four letters for the tokens. It cannot be like any letters. And TRIPS is five. So I deployed it, but it's, it's been completely ignored by any other website because it's not following the protocol. So that was a big miss. Somebody, of course, created Trip without us. And uh, well, that was a big miss. And that happens in crypto. You do mistakes. You make lots of money sometimes and you lose lots of money. Other times, it's really a land of opportunities. So that's, this doesn't really sting. It was just like fun, a fun thing to do. So... We said Bitcoin NFTs have a lot of liquidity, more than double than, than Ethereum. Uh, they have this property of immutability, uh, maybe the property of value perception because they are on Bitcoin. Uh, what else? Um, okay, not much else. Let me remind you the limitations of Bitcoin and why they are important. Bitcoin is slow it is not flexible um, you will hear the term not Turing complete means meaning it cannot do complicated things and this is by design because bitcoin wants to be only money it doesn't want to have smart contracts it doesn't want to do complicated things because when you have a tool let's say a hammer and i'm here borrowing from andreas antonopoulos if you have a hammer you use it to you know, put nails into the wall. While if you have a screwdriver, you may want to use it for screws. You don't want to nail, what do you say, nail nails in the wall with a screwdriver, and you don't want to try to screw 
screws with a hammer. And Bitcoin is a hammer. Uh, if you give it more capabilities, like being able to screw, you know, maybe by putting something on the handle, you are making the handle a little bit more fragile. So you give capabilities, but you also make it more fragile. And that's the whole idea. Bitcoin is keep it simple. Do one very important thing. Don't worry about the rest. Um, that's why Vitalik decided to do create Ethereum because he realized his limitations were not going to be addressed and he needed to do a new blockchain. Now, the interesting thing about ordinals is that it, they don't require any change on, um, on the blockchain protocol, which stays kind of safe, uh, but they are requiring some consensus on what things written on the, on the blockchain, on the Bitcoin blockchain actually mean. So it's more about consensus than hard protocol uh, changes. Um, and this is an interesting part too, because people are doing weird stuff which hadn't happened for a long time. Bitcoin was actually brain dead for a long time because it was doing well what it was doing, right? The store of value narrative um, was great. It didn't require changes. Every change was kind of potential attack on Bitcoin. As we have seen, you know, the taproot SegWit changes opened what many perceive an attack on Bitcoin. Many perceive these ordinals an attack on Bitcoin. Um, why? Well, because they are the, the fees went up a lot. Okay, so people are actually using Bitcoin for something else. Uh, they're using it much more than before. Some people are happy about this, miners. Some people are not happy about this. People who think uh, we should use Bitcoin for paying coffee. Uh, even people using Lightning Network because it kind of proved that the Lightning Network doesn't work uh, with a high fee environment. Anyway, so what is happening? Mm, many things which were which are really surprising. Just the other day, somebody came out with the recursive ordinals, which would allow to inscribe pieces of programming on the blockchain, kind of scripts on the Bitcoin blockchain, of course, and people can then reuse them. So as public goods, they can reuse them in their own ordinals and create programs, video games and stuff. So if you ever thought Bitcoin was boring, uh, think again, Bitcoin is not boring anymore. There's a lot of brain power coming back after having left for Ethereum. And it certainly, it certainly feels like a renaissance of Bitcoin. Uh, some people perceive it as an attack, as I was saying, not a renaissance, but like uh, losing the purity. But it's really up to you to decide what you think about it. Um, what, what matters today for us in this specific context of web train travel is that Bitcoin may be back in the conversation for the travel industry. And you may want to look into it if you are not happy in following trends, but anticipating them. Because the ordinals trend is underway. Uh, it has... Uh, its own momentum. It doesn't seem it's going to blow over very soon. It may become much bigger, uh, but it hasn't yet done anything in trouble. So let me give you an image to work with here. Um, if you consider 
blockchains as infrastructure. Uh, Ethereum is the most advanced and flexible so far, but it's expensive. Uh, you have to use layer twos or other blockchains like Polygon. And now Bitcoin entered the chat. Bitcoin entered the arena. It is more immutable. It is older. It is perceived by many as safer. It is where many people have money in and they don't have money anywhere else. And it is where most of the money in crypto is today. What can you do with it in trouble today? Uh, I would say, um, you remember when there were no NFTs uh, on Ethereum? And um, I mean, there were no NFTs, real projects, or let me say it differently, before the NFT boom, before everybody started talking about NFTs, etc. Uh, 2011, right? Before that, NFTs had existed for at least four or five years. I think that the first NFTs, which had a bit of traction, were the CryptoKitties in 2017. We are there. We are in 2011 with NFTs on Bitcoin. It's still early, still weird. Um, very few people are moving into this. No one in trouble has done anything. I think no one in trouble actually knows about them. So if you want to kind of jump on a trend before everybody else jumps in it, and that's a good moment. And now when you jump on a trend before anybody else jumps on it, you must know that maybe this trend goes nowhere. It's always this risk. If you wait for things to feel safe, it's probably when it's too late, right? So let me give you now a few tips on how to start your research. I would start on, okay, first of all, it's going to be technical. You need to understand at least the basic technicalities of it. Uh, there's no flashy website explaining like you were five. You have to read stuff, which is a bit hard. Use ChatGPT to explain things if you want. I would suggest that, but it's not going to be easy. Anyway, ordinals.com. Go to the handbook section, which is under docs.ordinals.com. And this is the founding documents. There's the stuff we read in uh, when it was launched a few months back. And then to do something concrete, you can go to unisat.io, create a wallet. It feels a little bit like a MetaMask. Send some Bitcoin to that wallet and you can then inscribe something. Um, maybe you want to, maybe you can buy a BRC20, which is an easy thing to do. You can buy an NFT. You can mint an, an NFT, which in Bitcoin is called inscribe it's not called mint and yeah you can play a little bit with that that's the easiest way um at the beginning there was no way to do that you had to have a node i have a node that's why i was um, able to do these things very early with a command line but i would not recommend this unless you have a node if you have a node yes okay you know how to use it i suppose you can also inscribe through the node which is a bit cheaper because when you use Unisat uh, or other similar projects, you are paying a fee to them, maybe 20-30% more or something. It really depends. Uh, but to start, yeah, to start, you can go to Unisat. And, uh, and there you're in. Then your journey has started and good luck with it. 
I personally am thinking of what can be done in the travel industry. As I was mentioning, I didn't do any NFT or anything um, apart from the token trips. Um, I also did the token trips on a new protocol which came out uh, called ORC20. You can mint those trips if you want. Oh yeah, uh, let me tell you a bit more about the BRC20. That's an interesting part about these tokens. So tokens on Ethereum often are pre-mined, um, like people create, I don't know, 100 million of them, and then they sell them, give them out, etc. The funny thing, the interesting thing about um, the BRC20 is that, let's say I want to launch a new token, right? I deploy it. I inscribe, uh, deploy... Um, inscription seeing that this token is called AAA uh, there's going to be maximum 10 million of them and that's it basically and then I have to go back and oh yeah sorry and the third thing is like you can inscribe you can mint you can create maximum a thousand of them each time and then I launch this deployment and the, the token now exists uh, the next step I have to do is to go and mint them myself. I'm using mint and inscribe interchangeably for you, but inscribing is the correct term. So I inscribe thousands of them. Now I have a thousand of them. And then I inscribe again and I have 2000 of them. At the same time, you saw that I deployed them and you can start inscribing a thousand of them. So I don't have a pre-mine. I don't have an advantage over you other than being the first who can mine them inscribe them because I did them. I did them, right? But the genesis of these tokens is much more decentralized and fair than what can happen what mostly happens on Ethereum, right? That's why the two cough. People started seeing new tokens, started um, inscribing them and getting them minutes after the deployer created them. And the deployer had no advantage over them, right? So this is much closer to the ETO or ethos of Bitcoin because, yeah, you know, it allows theoretically less um, scams, uh, but this remains to be seen. But yeah, that's an important thing. Uh, so yeah, you could easily create your own token, your BRC20 token on, um, on, on the Bitcoin blockchain simply by going on Unisat, deploying, de deciding a name, deciding how many there are, and deciding how many can be uh, inscribed um, per time. That's all. It is not harder to create a, a token than, than minting one and inscribing one, than getting some, right? Um, yeah, and NFTs, I honestly haven't bought an NFT and I haven't inscribed NFTs, so I don't have direct experience. It is not much harder. So let's see where this goes. Is Bitcoin now in the travel industry, web train travel? Is it part of it? Is it not? If I had to bet, I would say yes. Let's listen to this episode a few years from now and see if I was right or I was wrong. Thank you for listening. And we're done. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more insights, follow me on Twitter at Tripluca, T-R-I-P-L-U-C-A. 
If you enjoy my podcast and want to support it, head on to podcast.webtreeintravel.com. Tree is a digit and mint an NFT. If you want to sponsor it, you can do it at the same page. I will mention you in the podcast and your name will appear on all donation NFTs for a while. Thank you and ciao.